0: Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, I ask that you would illumine these words and meditations for the support and the strengthening of all who are gathered here this morning. Amen. When I was a young pastor of 27 serving a church in Lawrence, Kansas, My district superintendent said to me during our annual meeting, Kristen, you are the bent-over woman. You're sitting there and your chin is almost on the table. What are you doing to take care of yourself? When my DS called me the bent-over woman, she was referring to the woman described in the Gospel of Luke who is said to have come to Jesus crippled by a spirit, incapable of standing up straight, in need of healing. Well, I don't think my, my chin was exactly on the table, but I was uh, hunched. My posture was a bit like this, and I definitely felt as if I was carrying a heavy burden. It was my second year in ministry, and we had begun a new after-school children's ministry that was attracting over 40 each week. We'd started an outreach to respond to gangs and gun violence in our city. We were working on a free lunch program for every day of the coming summer. My my first church was in a a neighborhood um, where there were a lot of children, and many, many of those children received a reduced-fee lunch at school. So during the summer, with no lunch at school, a lot of them weren't going to get a lunch or were going to get a substandard lunch. So it was really important that we started that ministry. And the daily cares and needs of ministry had really worn me down, and I was tired And so on my next day off, my partner Elizabeth and I decided to take a drive north through the rolling hills and plains of eastern Kansas. We wound up in Atchison, a historic town of about 12,000 on the bluffs of the Missouri River. It's a beautiful town. And as we wandered through the streets, I kept seeing a steeple on a high hill, and it became kind of a game to get to that steeple. We were led to Mount St. Scholastica, a monastery of Benedictine sisters. We got out of the car and we looked around, and when we got to the main door, it opened. And there, an elderly nun welcomed and greeted us like I have never been greeted in my life. It was as if she not only had been waiting for us, but longing for us, to show up, It felt as if she was overjoyed to see us. It was exactly the solace that my tired soul needed. Later I found out that chapter 53 of the rule of St. Benedict reads, All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ, for he himself will say, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Now, there probably weren't that many visitors to Mount St. Scholastica, and I also found out later that there was a nun stationed at the door in case someone was about to walk up and through that door, waiting to greet each person as Christ. The experience made an impression on me and has guided a large part of my ministry. I hope That each person who comes to the door at CA House, regardless of their religious uh, affiliation, feels as if we have been longing for them. I hope that each person I meet on the street feels seen. And I hope that as I greet people here in this church, I can impart a sense of welcome to each person and that they are known. The experience of being so warmly welcomed and so fully seen was also the critical factor in my decision to return to the monastery a couple of times a month to volunteer in the library, to talk with the sisters, to pray, to have time for rest and rejuvenation, and to be a part of that community in whatever way I could. To be known is one of our deepest longings as human beings. In our scripture today from Jeremiah, we have the dramatic story of God's call to Jeremiah to be a prophet. Not a king, not a parent, not a healer or a teacher, but a prophet. And this in a time of great political and religious turmoil. It's one of those invitations that many of us have received an invitation from someone we love and respect that involves doing something that we have absolutely no interest or desire in doing. In fact, the idea of what we're being invited to do really turns us off. But God, in offering this invitation, begins with touching and responding to that deep longing that we all have to be known. God says to the young Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be prophet to the nations. I knew you. I know you. You belong to me and with me. Pretty convincing. Still, Jeremiah tries to sidestep the call, saying, Oh, but I'm only a boy. I can't possibly do what you're asking. In fact, Jeremiah was young. We think he was about 20 years old when this call came. But didn't God just tell him that God knew him? And surely God knows how old Jeremiah is. God knows he's a very young man, barely out of adolescence. This is not new information for God. And God goes on to further anticipate Jeremiah's objections that he might not know where to go or he might not know what to say. And so God says to him, I will put my words in your mouth and I will send you where I want you to go. God goes on to say to Jeremiah, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow To build and to plant. With this final statement, it is clear that Jeremiah is included in God's purpose, and Jeremiah, despite his fears and objections, is in. One of the top business consultants working today is a man named James Cain, who has worked with neuroscientists at Harvard to study loyalty and relationships. What makes a person loyal? What makes a person follow a leader or remain faithful or show up Sunday after Sunday at church or persevere in pursuit of a cause year after year? What he and the researchers at Harvard found is that a critical component of loyalty is a sense of belonging and being known, and that this experience has five key aspects recognition, insight, proactivity inclusion, and identity. What's interesting to me about this research is that this is exactly what God offers to each of us even before we are born, and continues to offer to us throughout our lives as we accept the gift of lives of purpose and service. And it is also what we have the privilege and blessing of offering to others— Because we have experienced it first for ourselves. Think again about the story of Jeremiah. God opens the conversation with recognition. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah is recognized as a unique and special individual. This is true for us also. Though most of us don't have a story that's quite as dramatic as Jeremiah's, God knows us and recognizes our uniqueness more fully than we can do ourselves. Whatever we might think are our assets, our strengths, our weaknesses, those parts of ourselves we wish others didn't know about that we try to overcome, God sees all of this and calls it good. And understands it on a level that we cannot even comprehend. We are seen and loved for all of who we are. Recognition. The next aspect to belonging and being known is insight. Having insight into another person is understanding their hopes and fears, their challenges and their opportunities. Jeremiah certainly doesn't see himself as a prophet. He came from a priestly family, not a prophetic one. And in his answer to God, Oh, God, I'm only a boy. We can hear fear in his hesitation. But God has insight into not only his fear, but also into his giftedness and responds to Jeremiah with these words. Do not say, I'm only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. In God's response, we can also hear God's proactivity, the third aspect to the experience of belonging. Being proactive in relationships means to anticipate and respond to someone's problems or needs before they even have the chance to ask. In God's opening words, Before Jeremiah has any opportunity to object to God, God says, Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. As a young man, no doubt Jeremiah was struggling with some of the same questions that keep many young adults up at night What if I am too young to do anything that matters? What if I don't know the right thing to say when the opportunity presents itself? What if I'm not in the right place at the right time to fulfill my destiny? What if I don't have a destiny? In a few words, God responds to that need for purpose and direction in the life of this young man. And we can almost feel the relief of Jeremiah, even as he recognizes the huge task being set before him. Offering others the sense that they are valuable, accepted, wanted, and appreciated is the fourth critical aspect to belonging, which falls under the heading inclusion. In God's speech to Jeremiah, the story tells us that God reached out to Jeremiah and touched his mouth, saying, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Inclusion is a word that is used a lot these days. We talk about inclusive language. We have on our bulletin and on our publications here in this church that we are an inclusive community. We talk about inclusion in schools. Inclusion in this context means I cannot do this without you. You are an essential part of this community, of this puzzle, of this project. In this passage, again, we see the fundamentally relational nature of God's being and God's desire to be a co-creator for a new and just world with us. This is the same voice that said to Mary in becoming incarnate, I need you to come fully into this world. And it's the same voice that said to Moses in leading God's people out of slavery, you are my indispensable partner. This is the relationship that God offers to us and to Jeremiah. You are included. I cannot do this without you. Finally, belonging requires a sense of identity that people can relate to and aspire to. In the final words of the call to Jeremiah, God says, See, today I appoint you as a prophet over the nations, to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah was a Jew, and as one who had lived through the unfaithful and unethical rule of King Josiah's predecessors... Jeremiah was well aware that there were many practices and institutions that needed to be reformed. Even as a young man, he could see that God's people had become lost and had moved away from a relationship with God. Jeremiah knew that what God offered was new life, and that in accepting his call He was also accepting a return to the consciousness and the rituals and the practices that made the Israelites a distinct people with a purpose. Their identity as Jews brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness and through the glory years of Kings David and Solomon and the construction of the magnificent temple. Jeremiah was to not only embrace his own identity, but call other Jews back to their identity and their primary relationship with God, and in so doing, lead lives of fulfillment and purpose. Recognition, insight, proactivity, inclusion, and identity. It is not just Jeremiah who is recognized, however, whose fears and opportunities are understood and responded to before he even asks. Who is necessary for the ultimate task at hand, and who is one of God's people? This is also how God reaches out to all of us. We are recognized. God knows our fears and our opportunities and is responding to those before we even ask, offering us solace and a wind of encouragement. And God says to us, You are my people. I cannot recreate the face of the earth without you. In the call of Jeremiah, God gives us a model as we invite others into relationship. When we meet people, do we seek to greet them in a way that communicates that they are seen and known? Do we greet them as if they were Christ, whom we have been longing for and are delighted to see? Do we use our powers of intuition and agency to foresee what they might need and respond to those needs before they can even ask? There was a note in the e-bulletin this last week from my guest at the Rotating Winter Shelter that I just loved, and I want to share it again with you this morning. It read, "'Me and my husband would like to thank the church for letting all of us stay at your church.'" because you made us feel right at home. I don't know who bought the birthday cake, but thank you, because I have never been noticed like I was last night. It really touched my heart. You made us feel right at home. I have never been noticed like I was last night. You did that. In the way that this family was greeted, And the way that you had insights into their needs, they were recognized and hosted as Christ. This is the purpose that God calls us to to be God's heart and hands in the world, to call others into loving and just relationship, to offer to all, to join in our identity as God's people. As we break bread and drink from the cup this morning, And remember that we are indeed Christ's body on earth. Let us remember the words of inclusion that God has spoken to the prophets and ordinary people through the ages. I know you and I love you. I offer you life and I want you to help me to offer it to others. I cannot do it without you. Be my people and accept the gift of being known and loved. Accept the gift of life with purpose and fulfillment. I cannot do it without you. Amen.